Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hill Spring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. So we, uh, we've been in this series called Hot Topics where, um, gosh, for a lot of weeks we just kind of crawled through the gospel of Mark. And then so kind of coming out of that, we wanted to do what we, we, we the label we give is kind of a felt need. Let's, the, the, the Bible is very practical. And, and so we just kind of did that, tackled some of those things. And these are some of my favorite Sundays when we do this, where it feels a little bit different. I love having everybody in the room. I, I think it's awesome. It's also uh, like for us as a staff, it's kind of a challenge. I like, we're gonna do this one more time. Like New Year's Eve, I think, is on a Sunday. And like we'll cram everybody in the same room. But we have just grown so much over the church. Like, I don't know. Like, we, we typically do it about four times a year. And I don't know when we get to Memorial Day next year if we'll be able to do this. And because it's just, it's incredible to see God moving through you, inviting family and friends and your neighbors and small groups are growing. And it just, it's really cool to see that happening. So what we're going to do today is we started a couple of weeks ago, we started kind of uh, putting it in our e-loop. That's our weekly newsletter, talks about all things that are going on, posts on social media. And so typically in the past, we would take live text messages from the, the congregation. So we'd have to pay for the service so we could do that. And like, I don't know, it gave us like 100, 150 text messages. And so like right here in that moment, you could kind of text those questions in. And so if we got 150 text messages, 137 of them would typically be like the poop emoji. Or people making fun of Matt. Or asking about pro wrestling. Or pet pigs. Yeah, and so we just we the poop emoji came from Kaylee most of the that's time. To be honest true. with you, that's, that's, um, yeah, that's and then, that's real. Yeah. That uh, is, so yeah. anyway, we 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 approach this one differently, where you could email your questions in. You still got poop emojis. That's fine. No, I like so when you yeah. did that, I started getting these questions like this is oh I see what we're doing. So anyway, yeah. So for the last couple of weeks, we've taken questions, and so what we're going to do today is kind of just walk through some of these questions that. Um, really kind of get to some of the practical, but, but some of it's cultural. Some of it's how does this fit in my life or I have a family member that's here and, and, or I've been through this and I'm really wrestling through that pain. And so we're just going to do that. We're, it, it's fun. It's low key. It's laid back. It, it's easy going. But Matt, I think we have to give the people what they want too. Yeah. So I think we have to ask you some questions. Oh, okay. Like, did cool. you go to your mother-in-law's for Thanksgiving? Yeah, I did. How was um, the food? Um, so... Let me, let me, I need, I need to make sure that I say this up front. Um, people think. I, I love, right? Yeah, people think that, like, she's, oh, it, you got to stand up there, honey. You got to stand up. Go ahead and okay? stand up, Janie. Go ahead, stand up. Go ahead, stand up. I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but Thanksgiving, we went over there and, and we did a great, she was great, um, but Thanksgiving is not her holiday. That's not her thing. Not not because she's bad at it. More of a Halloween thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Day of the Dead. Um, but her holiday is Black Friday. Ah! Now, let me tell you I this. think the women can get behind that. Yeah. Anyone, anyone have Black Friday as their holiday out here, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. That's pathetic. And, um... Thank God for Amazon. Yeah. No, no. One of the things, though, is I noticed yesterday Black, or on Black Friday um, was this idea, like, it was not as busy as it normally is. Black Friday is not what Black Friday used to be and still I mean like you lines were short everything still though Janie my mother-in-law was out of breath 
sweating and running up and down aisles, even though nobody else was. <laughs> she was trying to punch people for things that Is weren't. Is that real? That's real. Yeah, she's that's that's up. Gay line church so, house. She's nuts. So anyways, yeah. But hey, she's, she's great. Um, <laughs> so I'm just kidding. Yeah. It was good, though. Did you bring anything to Thanksgiving dinner? It myself. I'm usually pretty much the gift that get, keeps on giving. And so you all want me to come to your house. I will devour your food. Um, don't really care. I ate 19 deviled eggs. I need you to know that right now. Um, and my wife suffered because of it. And, uh, Is that still going on? Yeah. And so that was great. We, yeah. um, we make a great casserole we take. It's called ice. Like, that's what we bring. Like, it's the yeah, ice casserole, yeah. and occasionally I'll bring the salt shaker. Like, that's just yeah, my... That's perfect. That's, that's perfect. My, uh, that's perfect. That's my kind. So, is Cassie expecting anything for Christmas this year? Um, so, I do understand that she drops little hints, and I've never really understood this. Generally Are they speaking, little? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Generally speaking... Um, actually, Haley Dewberry's back in, this, in the sound booth. Usually, I just text Haley and say, hey, what do you think Cassie would want this year for Christmas? And then yeah, Haley actually takes care of it all for me. But um, <laughs> we haven't got to do that lately. And so um, I, if anyone just wants to keep an ear out, that'd be great uh, to hear what Cassie wants for Christmas. That'd be, that'd be awesome. I think Text she, Jerry. She got you. Yeah, yeah that'd, be, that'd be incredible. Uh, my so. wife sends me one. Like, I would like this for Christmas. It was a punching bag. Yeah. So I'm not real sure. Like, I'm like, that's... No, yeah. we're not doing. Yeah. yeah, we're not. I'll be. I'll be just very honest. The Kelloggs live in a different tax bracket than I do. Okay, Whatever. and so their their world is different than mine. We're we're getting we're just getting great value of everything. So, but <laughs> just kidding. Hey, you're fit. Did you dress him today? Look he looks good. Your fit today is legit. No one. It's better than the whole polo thing we were rocking last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably I'm gonna, gonna make a YouTube clip. Mute, mute, I didn't even hear what you mic. said. Thank the Lord. So, um, hey, we need to correct something. I forgot. For some reason, I, I'm the one who does, does the loop, and um, I completely forgot that uh, this is not the first Wednesday this coming week. And so uh, there is no Christmas program this Because Debbie Shepard just passed out. I know, over there like, I know, Ugh. I know. So, no, it's first Wednesday of December, so no. it's not this coming Wednesday. It's the next. That is our Christmas program, and it's fantastic. It's, it's one of my, I say this a lot, but I really do love that Christmas program, because kids' choir is kind of a thing that churches don't do anymore. Um, I, I don't ever want to be the church where we're just babysitting kids, we're just entertaining kids. And, uh, that's what youth is for. That's what youth is yeah. for, not right. So anyway, Debbie and her team done a great, there's a bunch of kids in there too, and so maybe you don't have kids in the kids' choir and you'd be inclined to skip first Wednesday. Don't, come be a part of, support our kids and uh, man, as they kind of worship through the holiday season, so that is first Wednesday. And then next Sunday, we're going to jump into a Christmas series. Uh, we haven't, like, nailed down the title, but we're... The like, Book of Isaiah, the right? <laughs> yeah, line by line through Isaiah, 66 chapters. Yeah, yeah. you're well, welcome. No, that's January. Okay. Um, so, but we're, we're, it's kind of a big family Christmas type thing, and we're going to look at uh, some of the characters of Christmas, but not in the Christmas story, some of the, the people in Jesus' heritage. Two of the Gospels give the lineage of Jesus, like this person begot that person. And so we're gonna go pick up some of those people and talk about their role in the Christmas story. And so just kind of excited. Do you um, have a Christmas that. tree up in your house? No, we didn't put one up last year. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're still just trying to get rid of Kaylee. Is that where we're at still? We're counting the days See, down? what did I say? 372 days? Is that yeah, where I'm at? Yeah. So. How many of you guys have a Christmas tree up right now in your house? How many of you guys have more than one Christmas tree up in your house? Or, or the Ramza. How many of you guys have 19 trees <laughs> up in your house? Marshall's hand's still up. Right Thank you. Thank you. 
Um, and then Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday, right? So anytime Christmas falls around, like I think Christmas Day was on Sunday last year and it, it kind of got weird and stuff like that. But we do a Christmas Eve, like evening service. And even with Christmas Eve being on a Sunday, it will be a Christmas evening, Christmas evening service. We won't have church that Sunday morning. Um, so it will be that Sunday evening. It's, it's like, it's, it, it's just fun. I love our Christmas Eve service. We started that about 10 years ago. I generally thought it would be me and my wife and 12 of our closest friends singing Silent Night with the Candle and just blown away. And um, so anyway, make plans to join us Christmas Eve, five o'clock. Yeah, life hack too. If you're five going o'clock? to come to that, four o'clock. four o'clock is what it is, yeah. If you're gonna come to that, just make sure you come early. Like you see how this room is right now. Yeah. Everyone brings their families. We're gonna do, we're gonna be doing a lot of stuff. Like we're bringing next chairs, all that stuff as well. I mean, we're gonna put people on top of that booth over there. We'll do whatever we can, but make sure you're- And it's, we're sure in and out in an hour. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And, and so kind of the theme of, and so I, like just even from after last year, I, I always just kind of keep Christmas Eve kind of rolling to the back of my head. And I, I want to be a little bit, uh, there's just something about Christmas that invokes those memories, right? That's typically a great thing unless you've gone through loss or tragedy and then we try to avoid the holidays. But a lot of, and some of you grew up in what we would call high church or liturgical churches, like maybe Episcopal or Methodist or even a first uh, Baptist type feel of church. And so um, this, this one's going to have a little bit, not a lot of that, but a little bit of that high church. Like we've got a choir for Christmas Eve. And so we're going to just do some of that. I think people want to come to Christmas Eve to have a candle and light it and sing Christmas songs that are familiar to them. And so sometimes we do some big productions. We've done some great stuff. Sometimes we just kind of simplify it and do that. And so I'm really excited about this Christmas Eve service you want to you do with that. So before we jump into our, our Q&A stuff this morning, I want to just give a couple of precursor conversations. And number one, I would say be careful with minimums because Christianity sometimes is real easy to boil down to like, okay, so what's the base minimum that I have to do to still be a Christian and still be saved? And scripture's clear, that's not the heart of a growing, maturing, discipling Christian. You know, like, well, do, do I have to give to go to heaven? So technically, theologically, no, because you can't buy your way into heaven but a Christian that is spirit-led and had God's spirit in him will be a generous person. Does that make sense? So I just want to caution you. Some of these questions that we get are fun. Some of these questions, we're going to handle some heavy stuff. Just be careful with boiling Christianity down to bare minimums. There's only one or two things in, that are pillars of our faith that we really can boil down to, to bare minimums. And so I would say be careful with minimums. I would also say... And I'm going to give credit to Matt for, for teaching me this. Don't go to Taco Bell and order a Big Mac. Did that happen at one point in your life or something yeah, like that? I've had some bad nights. <laughs> so I want you to know what we are. And that's, that's where days like today are fantastic. They're great because some of these are really, hey, what do you believe about that? What do you, and by the way, if you've never been through Growth Track, it's incredible. We'll do the next one in January where you can come. And, and we give space for all of this. But I want you to know that where Scripture's clear, we're clear. Okay. Just because culture has changed, God has not. Some of these conversations that we're having this morning, we would not have had 20, 30, 40 years ago because we were very much a more Christian culture. More people went to church, more people read the Bible, more people were engaged in that. So just because culture has changed doesn't mean God's word has. 
And I, I want you to know, and, and, and maybe, like, we're going to talk about some things that maybe you disagree with or, or whatever. I, I, I totally understand that on, on things like, did Adam have a belly button? Or things about end times? Or we're going to maybe talk about creation this morning. Man, there's a lot of room for open-handedness, right? And so that's one of our core values is, like, we just don't fight about it. There's a few things that we will fight for, like Jesus is the Son of God. The Word is the inspired Word of God. Those are things where Scripture is clear. We're clear. But also I want you to know we're a Bible-believing church. When the Bible calls it sin, we call it sin. Does that make sense? So we, we, don't, we don't fight about it. So. so I don't know if you want to do this one or not, but you talked about, so I think we just dive head first. You're talking about okay. sin. Um, and one of the things about this form that people filled out to send their questions in is we said that it would be anonymous, okay? And we want to make sure that we keep that except for this one. I got four or five of the same question, and I'm gonna ask it, and then I'll tell you the email that it came from. Here's the first one, if you don't mind. Um, it says, is BK and the Brand releasing a Christmas album? What? Yeah. Oh, All from wow. the email, brent.kellogg at hillspring.tv. I don't, that's weird. Get that hacked. is so weird, somebody hacked me. <laughs> Probably Kaylee. His passwords are one, two, three, four. It's not hard, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Okay, so we're not working on a Christmas album, but we are working on a thing. And it's funny that my mom sent that in. That's wild, because I'd already told her we're working on the thing. So, <laughs> yeah. no, yeah, I appreciate that. You're working That's, on a thing. We're working on a thing. You can't tell us what your thing is? Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> Next we question. Um, what, <clears throat> what does summer at Hillspring 2024 Look That's like. great because I know a lot of people, I mean, we have, it's go time around here in the summer because we have serve day and mission trips and uh, Hillspring, Camp Hillspring and so on and so forth. So yeah, I, let's just take just a minute here to talk about some of the things that are on there. We don't have all the answers, but some of them are starting to become clear. And so one of the things that we do as a church is we combine kids and youth to what we call Camp Hillspring nearly 300 people that go spend a week together. It's awesome. It's fantastic. And so we kind of we, we have to work with the camp organization uh, that we went from, and they only give us a couple of options in terms of dates. Typically, it's 100 plus degrees on the dates they give us. But let's talk a little bit about yeah. pencil. Like the initial, like right now, this is the date for Camp Hill Spring. We are begging and pleading and praying that maybe we could get a June date, but right now the week we have is... Yeah, it's in July, and it's actually July 22nd through the 25th. Pastor Will, are you in the room right now? No. That's yes. correct, right? I mean, we're close on that date. July 20, 22nd through the 25th. And so, again, pencil that in. Our, our hope and our goal is that it would be actually in June because it does make... I mean, like the, it's going to be a lot, hopefully, cooler in June, but um, if not, that is our date for that. Let me just tell you, can I, just quite honestly, and you came last year... Um, it's one of my favorite things that we get to do every summer. Uh, the fact that we get to put all of our kids and our youth together in one uh, camp together, our worker, like it, we get it all knocked out in one week. Um, we get to teach. Think about going to big camps, which I love that too. Think about going to big, big camps, so they have to do a very broad stroke thing yeah. about camp. This we get to just like put it to what we think our kids need in that moment. And so um, invite your friends, invite, like get, get that on your calendar. And I, dude, I know. And you did this a couple weeks ago. I know football's going to get in the way of this. And I, sure. I know baseball's going to get in the way of this. Please, please mark, mark your calendars now. Because, again, I'm going I'm, I'm to, if I know the date changes, and it could change at the very front end of January, 
But if it changes, I'll, I'll let you guys know. But please, this is an incredible event. And uh, not about getting more bodies there. I'm not necessarily caring about that. I don't care about the attendance. I'm caring about your kids' hope and their spiritual uh, growth in this. And so please, make sure you, they get there. Anything Great. else, Seth? Yep, I'm good. I love Serve Day, working through that. We try to participate in a national Serve Day with an organization yep. called ARC. Um, and so it, it's on the Horizon mission trip. Yep. We're still working through those details. So Summer Hill Spring 24 is going to be good. Um, it's, it's, going to, it's, it's going to be interesting um, and because there's some big, big stuff that's coming, some big stuff that's coming. So you'll be finding out more about that in the weeks to come. A very exciting time at Hill Spring. Yes. I don't know if you guys have been here for very long, um, but I'm just telling you, we are in a season where God's blessing this church. And, and I'll say this, um, not me. <laughs> Let me tell you, not me. You have an incredible staff that works. Yeah. I mean, like, even this past Thanksgiving week, just, like, doing it. Like, they're an incredible group of leaders. Can you guys, real fast, can you give them a round yeah. of applause Thank for, you guys for all staff. the work they put into this? I came to the office at 10, and I left at 11, all right? So that wasn't me. That's all them, but anyways. So. Actually, they got more done with you out. So yeah, if we can just kind of keep that yeah. rhythm. I just want to play. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, I got to do questions. Where we're at. Um, all right, so, so it's Sunday. It is Sunday. I don't know. Haley, if you don't mind, can we go to the next question here? Uh, next question up is, what does the Bible say about self-esteem? I think that's a very important question. What does the Bible say about self-esteem? Um, that is a great question because um, typically when I, when I deal with this, uh, it comes from somebody that is like down on themselves. And so there's many times there's a, there's a reason for that, there's a pain for that, there's, um, there's something that, that caused that. And so I'm, like very rarely do you ever have an arrogant person that asks a self-esteem question, right? When they should because their self-esteem is in the red in the wrong direction. Like, you know, like as Christians, we're called to walk in humility, right? So arrogant people a lot of times don't realize that they have a self-esteem problem just in the wrong direction. But many times this, it, this re revolves back to an issue of I, I went through something, I made some bad life choices, I had a season in my life, and I'm having a hard time forgiving myself. Like it's okay to accept that God forgives us, but sometimes we have a hard time forgiving our, ourselves. And we don't feel like we're worthy of love, I I'm, I'm don't deserve that. And so we just kind of walk around with this bad image um, of ourselves. So um, for the purpose of a kind of a productive pain, what I'm, I'm, some of the stuff I'm sure might sting just a little bit um, because I really do, like if you have that negative self-esteem and you just live under this cloud of I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, we want you better. Amen, everybody? Like this is a pillar of our church is we want you to find freedom. We want you to discover the purpose that God created you and put you on this earth for and make a difference. And when you can get into those places, sometimes these self-esteem things kind of diminish a little bit, although the enemy loves to throw those thoughts of fiery darts at us to, to keep us beat down. And we'll talk a little bit about why that is. So, but, but this might sting a little bit, but when we struggle with self-esteem, we're denying a couple of things. And one of those, we're denying, the, I'm gonna use the word mastery of God. The Bible says, and so if, if this question is you, or, or this question hits you or whatever, I, I, want you to, I, I want you to write these verses down, put them in your phone, and I'm, I'm gonna challenge you to memorize them. 
Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I'm not saying having a low self-esteem is a sin, but there's power in the word of God. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I want to get the word of God in me so that I have power to overcome some of these battles, like struggling with a low self-esteem. So if this is you, if this question hits you, Psalm 139, 14. It's a verse that I want you to memorize. And you start by memorizing that by maybe get you a piece of paper, index card, and you write it down. And then you tape it where you brush your teeth, put it in your car, put it in your Bible when you open your Bible and you see that in Psalm uh, 139.14 is like, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not a mistake. Yeah, but I did a thing. Yes, God's grace and his mercy is big enough. How big of a view do you have for God? And most times we don't struggle with God forgiving us. We can get there easier than we can forgiving ourselves. So Psalm 139.14, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And then another one I want you to memorize is Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. And when I struggle with self-esteem and, and forgiveness and my mistakes and getting over my past, I'm struggling. What I'm saying is, God, you made a mistake when you made me. And you're denying the mastery of God. He created you anew. When you gave your life to Christ, he created you anew in Christ. You're a new creation. You're a royal priesthood. You're part of now a holy nation. And so continue to just fight that battle with self-esteem. I want you to get God's word in you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I am a masterpiece of God that he created me anew in Christ. Okay? And so the other thing is, not only am I denying the mastery of God, I'm saying, yeah, but God, you made a mistake with me. I'm also denying God's healing in my life. Because God really does want to use his word, his people, his principles to heal your broken, wounded heart. Okay? Philippians 3.13. And there's a wound, there's a hurt, there's a mistake, there's a past. There's something that is the stem of this this self-esteem, right? Philippians 3.13. Memorize. Let's get God's word in us. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but one thing I focus on. I focus on this one thing. I forget the past, and I press on towards the high calling that's found in Christ Jesus. So many times, the self-esteem comes from something that happened, and and we've got to let God heal that. There's, There's process and healing and relationship that takes place in that. But I want to memorize, but even more than memorize, I want you to begin to declare the promises of God over your life. That I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am God's masterpiece. And as you begin to get God's word in you, you begin to declare God's word over you, you're going to begin to see those fiery darts of the enemy. They don't have any space because you're putting on the full armor of God. Can I get an amen? That's good. Oh, there you go. Can I, I mean... I want to add just one thing here um, to our, I want to talk to teenagers specifically in this. Yes. Um, I, I heard a pastor talk about, you can put your self-esteem in a lot of different things. You can put it in worthy things and unworthy things. And I, I see this a lot now in, in, in teenagers and you, parents delete Snapchat. Obviously we, we talked about that a million times, but hold on. I don't want to miss that. Yeah. I'm going to get their teens hate me right now. Go ahead. They do. The Bible says if an appendage of your body causes you to sin, you'd be better to cut it off. Yep, yep. And we, as parents, um, sometimes, like, our kids don't have the spiritual maturity or even physical maturity 
to take care of their own appendages. Yes. Like screen time. Yes. Like Snapchat. Yes. Like our issues that we deal with, they are just rooted in social media. Yes. Yes. And I just promise you, I know we have teachers in the room, and we have admins that come to this church. I guarantee you, you ask every single one of them, what app should they delete off their phone? They would all say right up front, Snapchat, Snapchat. should be the first thing deleted off their phone. And, and they get how you want it, but it is an evil app. I would also, let me just also say this in there. Um, what you put yourself seem in really matters, teenagers. And so um, just know that if you didn't make the varsity team, that doesn't define who you are. That's right. Okay. If you if you didn't if you didn't get on the team you want to you didn't get into the club you want to if you didn't get invited into that group of friends that you that does not define you when your self esteem is located on what someone else thinks about me or what they care about me or or if they care about me then you will always go down a very very bad path I know from experience and I think most adults in this room would say the exact same thing let your self esteem be defined by who God like He just said who God says you. I believe the Hillspring Church is set up in a place that we are called, and our youth workers know this, to raise the self-esteem of our teenagers, to make them know that they don't have to be like everyone else around them, okay? That they can actually date differently, they can be different, right. that God can do something else in their life. That really, when we say world changers, it's not just like a phrase we say, but it's something we believe in. Maybe we should say campus changers, because that's what I hope is happening with our, with our teenagers. Yeah, and so. you have to trust, and use a big word, the sovereignty. Of God, you have to trust that God is in control because years and years and years ago, a friend applied for a job and didn't get it and it was the end of the world. Like, no, 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 no. Maybe, just maybe, God's protecting you. Do we believe God leads through open doors and closed doors? And if God didn't put me in that situation, it's quite possibly because he has a better situation or a protected situation. We really, truly, and, and this is a hard lesson at 10, 11, 12, 15, 17, 18, 49, it's a hard lesson, but trust the sovereignty of God. Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy yeah. follow me all the days of my life. God cannot not do good to you. Even when it feels bad, he's doing good to you in some, in some way. All right, let's keep going. Uh, hot topics, so we're going to throw this one up there. Um, my child thinks that they are homosexual. How do I help them? Hot topic right there. I'm, you just take that one. I'll turn this off. Um, yeah, so I love, I love BK, right? Just because the culture has changed, God's principles and word has not. And if you can't sink onto that, you're just going to struggle. You're, you're just going to, you're going to get caught and pulled in a lot of this social media debate and this deconstruction and so on and so forth. Just, just because the culture changes and, and you start to see that pressure pushing into the church and into the church, just because the culture has changed does not mean that God has and his principles haven't, okay? So, and I said this earlier, 30, 40 years ago, this wouldn't even been a question. Like, like it wouldn't because this has become a cultural issue. I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago, uh, Ed Stetzer, who's a renowned Christian uh, researcher, incredible writer. I've heard Ed speak like five times now. Like I, I just get geeked out when he talks because he talks about data. And he talked about, some of you remember this, those of us that were you know, born back then when Bill Clinton was president, even Bill Clinton signed the Protection of Marriage Act, okay? Meaning that the U.S. government only recognized a marriage between one man and one woman, Okay. And then the culture has shifted. And, and the point that, that Stetzer and his research discovered was it took 30 years for the culture to come to the place where it is 
with this embracing of homosexuality. Well, if that's what you want to do, fine, whatever. But 30 years ago, there was a clear cultural that was, that was rooted out of being a, uh, a nation where people went to church. Okay? So it took 30 years for that to change. What he was using that to compare to is it's taken about five years for the transgender issue to, to really reach that. So just the acceleration of the tolerance of sin in America has happened that fast. What took 30 years ago now is really only taking five, six, seven years for our culture to, to somewhat embrace. So um, just because it's a hot topic in culture doesn't mean that we as the church need to change our views, okay? So I would say this. My child thinks they're homosexual. How do I help him? I would say the same way you would help a child that's, a, that's struggling with pornography. I would say the same thing that you have a child that's struggling with lying or cheating or stealing. It's, it's, a, it's a sin issue, right? All of us have a sin bend, okay? And so just because a person has a, um, a same-sex attraction does not mean that God made you that way. And let me be clear, it certainly does not mean God is willing to change his standard to accommodate your sin bend. And so that's what we've done is like, well, I, God made me this way. No, 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 no. Everybody has a sin bend. Some people that sin bend is aggressively heterosexual and they just do things that are completely unhealthy for them. And so some of that sin bend may be towards a same sex attraction. God's standard does not change to accommodate or bend towards sin. Okay, so let me talk to you parents that have younger kids at home. Start now, start yesterday, affirming God's way, God's plan, God's creation for your children. Amen? I, I, this is hilarious. Put that meme up on the, up on the thing. You got that? Yeah. You've probably seen this. Obviously, it's back in time, right? Mommy, I think I'm a boy. Well, no, you're not. 40 years ago, conversation was over, right? Oh, man, so old-fashioned, so old-fashioned, so old-fashioned. Man, listen, sometimes the old-fashioned way works. You know what I'm saying? So parents of young kids, I would start now affirming, you can pull that down, affirming God's way, God's plan. The best thing you can do is create space for your kids to have conversation. Say this all the time. Have dinner at the family table as much as you can, as often as you can. I understand life is busy. Turn the TV off and create space for your kids to ask those questions and have those things. And here we go, back to Snatch Up. You, ha you have to monitor their influences, okay? There was a time in the Kellogg home we had to change some, um, some things we were involved with because a culture of an organization we were involved with did not align or support what we believe about our dining room table. And so we had to make some shifts and we had to, and we had to, do, we had to do the whole thing. Okay, like we, we had to do the hard thing. If you have older kids, okay, that are teenage or whatever and they're, they're gonna be more rebellious and they're gonna throw more fits or whatever, I would say this, never stop, never stop, never stop. Never give up on the word of God bearing fruit in their life, okay? So I would say not only monitor influences, but remove influences. Meaning if you take your child's cell phone, they are gonna, their 17-year-old is gonna get in the floor, hold their breath, turn blue, and throw a fit, okay? What is more important, going through a season of a fit 
with the teenager or securing their destiny. And that's really, really hard, but you don't understand. Listen, it starts, guys, that's why I started with parents of young kids. It starts when they are little bitty of affirming God's word, God's ways. You are just a, a strong young little man. And you do it when they're little. And when they're teenagers, parents, you have to roll up your sleeves. Our teenagers know how to fight. They know how to wear you out and cry and make your life miserable. You know why they know how to do that? Because we taught them how to do it. And so you have to be willing to do the stuff like deleting their Snapchat, like even taking their cell phone, like just you have to do the hard things, okay? And then if you have adult kids, so don't argue, you know what I'm saying? Like Jesus didn't argue with the woman that was caught in adultery. He was merciful and he said, nor do I. Go and sin no more. He, he didn't argue with her or whatever. He, you know, it wasn't the conversation of Thanksgiving meal or whatever. So you don't argue. You pray a lot. You never stop setting that standard. You never stop believing God's worth in your life. And you point towards true north. You point towards Christianity. Okay, so what would Jesus do? So Jesus would be merciful, but there's a difference in mercy and tolerance. God said in the book of Revelation, this towards, I forget which church it is, but the one thing I have towards you is you tolerate Church, like there's a difference in mercy and tolerance. Does that make sense? And so you never stop pointing, you never stop believing, you never stop praying toward true north. I love my kid, I don't wanna lose my kid, I understand that, but you have to, just because the culture's changed, God's word has not, amen? And there's a, there's a lot of questions here. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go to this one, it talks about divorce, and okay. this one comes out of, Feel, I don't know. Maybe it comes out of pain. Um, it is tough, though. And this is a hot topic for real. What does the Bible say about divorce, specifically regarding domestic violence? So there is a so things that like in common, yeah, that would make perfectly sense, right? There, there still is somewhat of a heaviness. Maybe some of that, and maybe some of you grew up in a denomination or a church that um, maybe didn't. <laughs> teach some of this, I'm not, and it's not for my place to question how somebody teaches or what have you, but maybe there were just some unhealthy uh, pressures or so on and so forth, but the reality is this, when a man and a woman stand before a, a minister, a pastor, and they're making promises, like we're making those promises, like it's almost like going to court and putting your hand on the Bible, like we're inviting God into this holy, sacred union, marriage was God's idea, not the court's. Okay, and so I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's, it almost feels like a church service. And I've done a lot of marriage ceremonies that felt like a church service. So it feels like we're inviting God into this union. And then when that union goes through a divorce or a separation or something, it, it just feels like not only have I disappointed all my family, and that's what the enemy would tell you. He's always looking for cracks to, to tell you that God's frustrated with you, God's disappointed with you. But there's a heaviness that comes with this, sometimes to things that, that just make sense. So there's two and a half. New Testament exclusions, kind of clauses, if you will, on divorce, okay? So one day, Jesus is teaching, and, the, and, and so to, um, to the Pharisees and the religious people of Jesus' day, they thought he was just a whack job, uh, taking way too many liberties with Scripture, and so on and so forth. So they come and they try to trap him on this question, and they're like, Jesus... What do you think about divorce? And literally, it was one of those moments where they're trying to trap him. I'm just going to, Matthew 19 is where that story takes place. If you want to write that note down or put it in your phone. And then they said to Jesus, they said, 
why did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and put her away? And, and there's some circumstance I didn't go into leading up to that. And this was Jesus' response. Verse 8, he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, that, that was not God's intent. Okay? I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery, and whoever marries her is divorced, commits adultery. Okay, so I'm, 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 the, kind of Jesus comes back at him. Listen, the reason they were begging Moses to, to grant divorce is because they had a work spouse that paid attention to them and, and, and so much met their needs. And this, this person was, was the wife of my youth and we made promises all these years ago and, and we had babies together, but this one understands me and this one gets all the feels. And so they went to Moses and like, we want to be able to go chase our sinful desires. And Jesus is coming straight at that. And what he's saying is, listen, that promise you made to one another and to God, that is still a real holy deal. That we need to take it serious. Just because you, you connected with somebody on Facebook that you graduated high school with, or just because one of your... Listen, don't go chasing wanting a divorce because you think somebody else is going to make you happy because that's not reality. The grass is greener on the other side of the fence because we water that grass. Or they have a septic tank over there. Well, whichever, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm a septic tank guy. So there's a heaviness that comes with this. 1 Corinthians 7 also gives us some clauses about ending God-ordained marriages or ending marriages, and it's this idea of abandonment. And he really is going into, if you're saved and they're not, and they want to end the divorce, like, it, it, or, or so on and so forth. And so there's this idea of, like, I didn't have a choice. There's just this abandonment. So Jesus talked about the idea of adultery, and then there's this idea of abandonment. But the New Testament doesn't really go into what the point of this question is, which is abuse. To, I think to all of us practical-minded people think if somebody is abusing you or physically hurting you or whatever, absolutely you have every right to do that. And so what I'm going to do with, with abuse is, that, is the, that that falls under, the intent of that falls under abandonment. Like they promise to love and honor and cherish you till death do us part. And if someone is physically hurting you, they have abandoned their love for you. They've abandoned the marriage vows, if you will. And so I don't want to let the enemy put guilt on you because for the safety of yourself or the safety of your children, you did what was best and you ended the marriage. So you absolutely have in scripture, you have this, um, I'm going to use the term legal, and that's just use it, but, but you have this clause, if you will, under domestic violence. Absolutely. Absolutely, because that person has abandoned the promises and vows that they made to God. Now, again, when we have these type things, sometimes I say some tough stuff. Everybody say, I love BK. I don't want to talk to the person that asked this question. I'm not talking to you for a second. I'm talking to somebody that's here listening that is unhappy in their marriage. And the grass is greener on the other side because we've been killing the grass on this side. Okay? And there is something in us as humans that we can very quickly make accusatory terms kind of to justify our own desires. Meaning, in my 27 years of ministry, I've had people come in and seek pastoral counseling and they say, well, he's abusing me. What does that mean? And it don't mean what they think it means. Okay? I, even years ago, before I was married to Jerry, I was accused of abuse. I ain't big enough. You know what I'm saying? 
And so I have seen people down through the years like they're looking for some ammunition to justify so I can go hang out with my work spouse that makes me feel so special. And I want to be very clear, I'm not, I'm not giving that. And so I would say this, if, if you're in a domestic violence situation where that person has physically harmed you, get yourself out, we're here to help today, okay? I would also say this, if, if you're, because victim mentality is very big, and I love you, and you love me, and we've said that, victim mentality, it, 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 sometimes we are making accusatory statements so I can justify my behavior to end something that, quite frankly, I haven't put the work into. So I would ask this, number one, is this real, Okay. Is this, is this real? And then two, if you feel like you're abused, get someone to help you define that, like a Christian counselor. You know what I'm saying? Get someone in that can go, yeah, if this is going on, we need, I, I just want to make sure I'm not giving somebody who's unhappy in a marriage that really we need to put some work in. I just want to make sure I'm not giving somebody some ammunition. They can go, well, the preacher said you're abusing me, so I'm leaving. I'm, that, that's not where I'm at. That's not where I'm at. I hope you understand the heart and the intent of that, okay? All right. Let me follow up on that. So Pastor Will um, told me that he is my work wife. And he was very specific about wife. He wanted to be the wife. Do I need to just leave? I'll just leave okay. that alone. Okay. <laughs> so, um, he is very female-ish. Um, you know it. See, she's offended for Will. She's walking out right now. I'm not going to say that about my Pastor Will. All right, so um, how, let's do one more. Okay. You guys are ready to go to Mazio's, eh? No? Okay. No amens right, on that. Right. Right. Okay. I'm going to throw this one at you. Um, it seems like we always get this question, and I think this is an incredible question, and we can finish it on this one. But it's, um, it's really the question of how, how can someone know that they're actually saved? And I, I, just let me even preface, I don't know who asked this question, but growing up in a church of people who I rededicated my life, or is baptism what's saved? I think there's a lot brewing, maybe maybe not in this question, but I think there's a lot to that. How do I actually know that I'm a person who is gonna make it to heaven, gonna be with Jesus the rest of my life? Yeah, and so, um, number one, I think, um, not, to, not to go into that, that conversation about eternal security. And if you, you wanna have those conversations, I, I love having those things. Um, I'm just gonna use two pretty gross oversimplifications about salvation. One of them, Jesus made this statement, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Okay, so what do, uh, does that mean I can lose my salvation? You know what I'm saying? But then Paul said, in talking about this idea that um, he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. Okay, so meaning there are churches and denominations and in a room this size of the many people, some of you grew up in a theological thread of that, well, if you go to bed at night and you sin that day and you didn't confess that, you lost your salvation. That, that's, that's, a, that's kind of an extreme view, but some of you grew up in that view. Like if you, if you stepped out of line, God's mad, lightning bolt's gonna strike you. If you didn't pray the right prayer or confess your sins daily, that God was going to, you're no longer saved. And we've helped a lot of people walk through the healing of that. I just think God's grace and mercy is, is bigger than that, okay? But then there's the other side of this. So so I'm good, right? You're good. I confessed and believed, so I'm good. Yep. And then nothing else in my life looks like I'm a Christian. I, I boiled Christianity down to a bare minimum. 
And this again is the opposite side of the ditch. And so you have people that are like, you can lose your salvation and there's a, there's a big spectrum in, in that broad. And there's people that are like, no, once you're saved, you're always saved. Both ditches are extremely dangerous to people who are trying to grow and become Christians and mature and walk in love with Christ and try to figure this out, okay? And, and the reality is both sides get their support from the Bible. So what do we do with that? So I, I always walk into that very open-handedly. Some people get frustrated with it like that. I love you. It, it, it's fine. But I just walk into that. Like, I, I believe that God's grace and mercy is so big that I can go to bed at night and forget that I kicked the dog and God still, if I die in my sleep, God's going to let me go to heaven. Okay? But then, man, there, there's some things. Is What about somebody once was saved and now they're Muslim or whatever? I, that's a whole other conversation. But the problem is there's just a lot of, there's a lot of wishy water about that and then you add the enemy and again i talked earlier about these fiery darts that that ephesians talks about those are thoughts that the enemy throws at us and sometimes we let them sit and and so this is very common with a new christian that they've they've surrendered their life we lead them through that prayer where they confess and believe but then they come back the next week they feel like they need to do it again why? Because I messed up this week, and or it didn't. I didn't say it right, or, or it, it didn't stick. And so, when you add the enemy trying to create confusion, and here's why he wants you stuck at "Am I even saved?" is because if I just stay stuck here, I'll never get set free and healed from the things of my past. And when I get set free of the things from my past, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm going to figure out what God created me and I'm going to start making a contribution to the church. And all of a sudden I'm going to make a difference with this beautiful church that God has placed me in. And people are going to start getting saved and other people are going to start getting unstuck. And it's going to make a major contribution to God's kingdom. So the enemy never wants you to get past this initial issue of am I saved? Does that make sense? Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember the address. Uh, I walk by faith and not by sight. You're, you're not saved by emotion. Thank goodness. Okay. So I might have, I might have uh, surrendered my life to Christ in an emotional time, lost a loved one, went through something painful. I came to church, I sensed the presence of God. He called me, he led me through that, I raised my, like I might've come to Christ in an emotional time, but it was not an emotional decision. It was a faith decision. I'm saved by grace, God's grace alone through faith. It's my faith and ability to accept it in Christ alone. So I'm not saved by emotion. So sometimes when you add the element of not only you got theology out here swirling around, you, you got the enemy throwing fiery darts, then I get my emotions in here, but I don't walk by sight. I don't walk by what I feel. I walk by faith. And by the way, my salvation was a faith thing, meaning there are going to be days you don't feel saved. That's okay because I wasn't saved by feelings anyway. I was saved by faith. Romans 10.9 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Had an individual send me an email one time and something I never caught before. And so loving, so gracious and made a beautiful point in his, literally has changed how I do our ending 
every week. And one Sunday, and let me, don't get me wrong, I've been doing this for a long time, but those spotlights still make me nervous. Like I wake up every Sunday morning with anxiety, hoping I get this right, you know what I'm saying? And so sometimes I can, I can say things wrong and I don't intend to, my heart's pure, I try to keep my theology, you know, but one Sunday morning I said, you know, confess the Lord and you can be saved. Just a slip. But the importance of that, that statement is, confess your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved. Not maybe, not might, not can, not my doing anyway, it is. He's the one doing the saving, I'm the doing the surrendering. I'm the confessing and believing, okay? So how can I know? Paul, uh, no, it wasn't Paul, it was uh, John. He says, I, 1 John 5, 13, I wanna write this one down. He said, I'm writing this to you who believe in the name of, of the Son of God so that you may know, you can know that you have eternal life. Okay? But I got to keep the feelings out. I got to keep the enemy out and so on and so forth. I, I have to trust that took that step of faith. And when I confess with my mouth, I believed in my heart, I will. I was saved. Does that make sense? And so here's the thing. I know that a lot of times when people get saved, the enemy tries to talk them out of it. And it's not that he's trying to unsave them. He doesn't have that ability to do that. He's trying to keep them stuck here so that they'll never get to the point where they're making a difference with their life in the kingdom of Christ. But you can know. And again, this would be one of those things that like if you wrestle with, am I really saved? And there's some scripture that you ought to memorize. You just get God's word in your heart. And, and honestly, I think, I, I don't want to say every. Some of you in here might have got saved and like, nope, never doubted. But even myself in my early life, my early Christianity, I just, I, I think everybody just wrestled with Paul says, you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling or fear and trepidation. Not work for it, but you just have to wrestle through that. And there's going to come this day where you're wrestling with that and you're wrestling with that. And it's okay to pray about that. That doesn't mean you have less faith. My grandfather used to tell me this story that he got saved and then he just, the enemy just kept him stuck over here and, and, and he cussed the dog or something and, and he just kept him over here. And one day he's like, God, if you, would, would you save me? And he said, he heard God speak to him. I saved you the day you asked me to. It's okay to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's okay to pray through that. But if you have confessed with your mouth and you've believed in your heart, that is a faith thing, not an emotional thing. He saved you when he asked you. And you may not feel it, but you have to believe it. Amen, everybody? And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here and we've talked about sexuality and we've talked about boundaries and kids and, and all this type of stuff and maybe you're here today and there the Holy Spirit from the time we started singing started pulling you it's this begging inviting I God saying I want to be in relationship with you I'm not asking you to be perfect I'm not asking you to clean these things up I'm just asking you to say yes to the invitation of his spirit Jesus wants to be your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you did that a long time ago and you just kind of walked away from it. You don't have to be resaved. Maybe just for you today, you just need to come home. All across this room, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's looking around, nobody's moving around. Man, this could be the person sitting in front of you or behind you, that their eternity is in this moment. And if you're here today and you know that you are not in right relationship with Jesus, I want to help you confess and believe. It's not a magic formula. It's not a magic prayer, magic words we have to chant. 
I just want to simply lead you in a prayer because that prayer is the best way I know how to confess and believe to make Jesus your Savior. All across this room. I'm, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to walk the aisle. You don't have to talk to anybody. What's important is right there at your seat that you confess and believe with a sincere heart. I'm going to just lead you in this prayer. And if that's where you are today, just whisper this prayer with me right there at your seat. You ready? Just pray this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, right there. Just do it. Just, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today because I need you. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I don't want that anymore. Would you forgive me? Would you save me? Would you begin to change me? Make me a new person? I may not understand all of this, but today I'm taking that step of faith. Today I surrender my life to you. With every head still bowed, never eyes still closed, you're here today. And you prayed that prayer. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. You're not going to have to walk the aisle. But if you prayed that with me, just slip up your hand real high. Slip it up. Anybody here today, slip it up real high. Okay, I see it in the back. Best decision. Come on, let's do that. Okay, buddy. It's the best decision you'll ever make. God, you see these hands and these hearts this morning feeling the Holy Spirit pulling them in. God, this is not a feeling decision. This is a faith decision. And they're stepping from death into life. They're stepping into the kingdom of God. Father, maybe for some of these it's like, Lord, I've done that. Today I'm just coming back and I'm coming home. Father, that invitation, that forgiveness, that is all still the same. Just a pulling into your grace and your mercy. God, I love you. And I love being a church that's helping people take that first step and give their life to Christ. I love being a church that's willing to, to sit around the scriptures and talk about how it very practically helps us in our lives and encourages us to do the hard things and raising kids and, and being married and, and being Christians in today's society. Father, I love you and I thank you for what you're doing here at Hillspring Church. In the beautiful, matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Hillspring, would you give God the biggest praise you got in your belly because that never gets old. Amen. Come on. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.